when we started meals, it was like, I think the operative word, like what's our verb? It's to confuse food and fashion, but I think there's a confrontational quality to that. I don't know. I think the fashion world has co-opted language from the food world. So you hear the expression fast fashion, which is like a cognitive fast food in a way, right? You know, and disposability. Today is a conversation with my friend, Sam Salad. Sam is not only hilarious, as you'll hear really soon, but he's also so humble and incredibly original and creative and stylish and truly one of the best writers and specifically copywriters that I've ever encountered in my life. Sam, with his partner, Rebma, are the designers and founders behind the LA-based clothing line, Meals. Sam is really fun to talk to and listen to. We recorded this about a month or so ago from my kitchen table. He came over with a bottle of rum and we ate fruit and snacks. And we sat there for a couple of hours and honestly, we could have kept going. And I hope that we do. I hope he comes back. I hope we get to collaborate more. Thank you so much for being here and listening. If this is your first time, great. I love this episode and I hope you do too. Enjoy my conversation with Sam Salad. I was telling you this before we officially started recording, but I, I've been excited for this for months. I've known you for like at least a year and it was so cool getting to spend time with you today preparing for this and read more about meals and you and your work and you really inspire me and I'm truly at the very earnest and so happy you're here and doing this. Thanks so much, Katie. Thrilled to be here. Meals draws this parallel between clothes and food, but what I realized is it's really not meals doing that. It's you since you're the voice box mm-hmm. of meals and spending so much time with your work today in several different places, you're such an amazing writer. So I want to start by talking about words and language. And you're also like really easy to talk to. I went into Virgil Normal. I told Charlie that you were doing this and he was like, Sam, (laughs) so easy to talk to. And I was like, that's right. He really is. Like you, you are a words and language person. And so I want to, I want to start with that, but let me read something that can give everyone here an idea of the copy for meals because just this part that I want to read is so clear and simple and concise, but also so creative, which speaks to, to, I think, the way that you write and speak. Okay. Meals prepares non-gendered clothing inspired by food. Cooking and clothing production are strikingly similar to make pants, cotton is grown, milled, cut, sewn and dyed to make salad romaine is grown chopped washed and drizzled in olive oil meals bakes food culture into apparel blurring the lines between the clothes we eat and the food we wear yeah 
Do you remember writing that? Yeah, of course. Where were you when you wrote that? I don't know. But, you know, like, I think it was really important to get, like, Meals is like a reaction to really narrative fashion. Like, a, a lot of clothing brands that I look up to are, they're super about this. It's like incredibly dense, you know, show notes. You know, when someone does a collection, the show notes will be like, they'll just list like movies and mm. albums and they'll just be like an endless. And I just want it to be like, I think, I sum meals up into five words, which is workwear that looks like food. And that's it. How does it feel to have your words read back to you? Like that has to be. (laughs) That's tight. I'm really proud of that work. Cause I think it's like, it's hard to be judicious and tight yeah, and like really rein it in. I think that's like sort of the whole practice is like just tightening it up. Yeah. Limit your scope. Yeah. You know. I mean, this is so, I, I hate to be so complimentary and like make, make you blush, but I'm going to just keep doing it because it, this truly is so good. It is so concise, but it says everything in this really creative way. And you have a way of doing that in your writing. Have you always been a writer? Have you always been? Yeah, I, I, I started, even when like hearing it back now, I'm like, oh, we could cut that. <laughs> Shorten that up a bit. Yeah, you know, I started as a, I basically started selling clothing in a store in Abikini. Um, I sold very expensive jeans in a store in Abikini. And it was across the street from this restaurant called Jelena Takeaway. And I sold like $250 jeans, but then they sold $25 personal pizzas, which <laughs> back in 2011, that was, a, that was a lot of money. Now, nothing. What with inflation? But then it was a lot of money. So people would come into my store and sort of scoff at the prices of the pants. And they were like, $250, you're out of your mind. And I was like, you just spent $25 on a pizza and you ate it on a, on a milk crate. So I started using sort of food language to sell clothing. It was raw denim is what I was selling at the time. And even the concept of like, so raw denim, if you don't, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's just like when, we, when you like buy a nice pair of of jeans today, they're typically like washed, you know, and they're like broken in and they're really soft. Raw denim is like unwashed denim. So it's very, very stiff and slightly painful. So, I mean, even that concept of the word raw, it's like, as opposed to cooked denim. So, so I started using food language to sell clothing in the store and I did it as sort of a joke, really. I was just like, you know, these jeans are, so I was using food language. So I was like, these jeans are super crunchy, but they get really buttery over time. And I would just sort of pepper in food speak. And one day, these writing professors from Columbia were in the shop, Columbia University in New York. And um, I was like, I was having a really good time with them. And I was like, you know, I do this thing. I have this trick that I do with the people. I use the food language to sell clothing. And they were like, that's really funny. We know this woman who's the editor for Racked Magazine. And her name was Izzy Greenspan. And they were like, you should pitch this idea. It's funny. And I was like, oh, okay. So I pitched it. And then I spent like the next month just punishing myself writing this. And she was like, yeah, great. Do it. Awesome. Yeah. So I wrote this article. that's really, really funny. It was good. Yeah. And basically then I used that as a portfolio piece to get writing gigs with other clothing lines. It was funny. You know, it was like page and a half or something. And so I've been basically writing and my, you know, before I made clothes or worked in factories or did anything, I was just like, you know, I was the, 
I've been like the voice of many clothing brands for like a decade in, in terms of writing and doing all of the copywriting. So it was just like, and in many ways, meals is like, you know, and within those other lines, it was like menswear lines, you know, so I would have to like, you know, back in 2011, it was okay to, when Obama was in the White House, it was okay to be very like, uh, not America first, but it was like a little bit more cowboy, a little bit more rugged. It was like Cass McCombs. I don't know if he was hot then, but like, you know, anyway, it was like Americana was still like, it was okay before it had sort of become, yeah. it had sort of changed. Icky. Icky, yeah. So yeah, you know, I sort of wrote copy as like a country musician basically for a long time. And then, you know, Mills was just like, Mills is an extension of that original idea basically that got me a job, that got me writing work was just like, it's an outgrowth of that, you know, just that simple idea of like food as clothing mixing up the language transposing yeah yeah wow that's so i i did in my research find i knew that you worked across from jelena selling denim and you would start to use those food terms and i i didn't know that that's the impetus of you working with clothing brands writing that's i'm so happy that that happened so is that article what was that original article about is it does it still exist yeah sure i think it's on racked and i think it's called selling fashion to foodies racked is now defunct izzy greenspan went on to new york magazine's the cut sup izzy she's she was very very good to me i don't know if she's still at the cut wow very kind and generous i'm so happy that happened so were you writing you know as a kid like in school did you like english and did you like writing was that I remember, yeah, being in like third or second grade and then, and having to write like uh, everyone, you know, we had to like write a short story and everyone else went out to recess and I was like, fuck that, I'm staying, this is tight. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I do remember that. So the writing piece has always been there. What about food? Did you ever work in food? I grew up in a household that's like, you know, my mother is like completely obsessed with food and like there are just cookbooks everywhere and she's like constantly cooking and she's tight homies with like Joan McNair of Jones on third and like all of the, you know, cause we grew up in Hancock Park. So it was like, you know, she, anyway, there were a lot of like, she was in the food culture. I mean, religiously going to the farmer's market, like wow. a huge part of her love language is food. So it was like very much in the house and very present. Did you cook with her? Yeah, a little bit. Did like baking. Do you cook now? Yeah, poorly. Really? Yeah. I feel like you would be, you would be good. You made us a great drink. Thank you. Your your voice is so specific and fresh and like I said, concise and just something I I really admire about you beyond your writing. But you know, you and Meals more than really any other brand I've seen is so creative and specific and unique. And it's something that I struggle with a lot, struggle with being, you know what they say, right? If you try to be everything to everybody, you're nothing, right? Or, you know, I have I have a lot of friends who I really admire how specific they are, how good they are at being themselves. And I feel like you do that really well. Have you always been that way? Is that something you can give advice for? Is it something that you are trying to do or happens naturally? I'd like to preface that the success of meals is based entirely upon my relationship with my partner, Rebma. Rebma Salad is my partner of four years, my romantic and business partner of four years. And Rebma has 
a clothing line called 69, which is a, a denim brand that's been around for 10 years. And it's a, I guess I would describe it as like massive architectural denim pieces. And it's just like, it's tight. It's so sick. It, I was like, and I started as like a Monda. And basically that's the brand that got me interested in clothing in a lot of ways. I was such a bit, I stan, I stan for 69. And it was like such a, completely obsessed with the scene that they created. And 69, I, I would say like Rebma is like a once in a generation artist and their output is staggering. So I would actually say that my, and we design meals together. I would say that I have an incredibly creative partner who is prolific and can just pound out amazing work. My job is largely to be an editor. My job is to cut my job is to restrict. My job is to make it at scale and scale things and keep it tight and refined. So in a way, I have a very easy... I'm, a, I'm an editor in our, in our creative... Partnership. Right. And if I could give any advice, it would be find a once in a generation artist who you can edit. <laughs> no, but like, no, but it's just like, but partnership. And, and, and obviously writing is solitary, grueling work. I mean, an editor is always like kind of invaluable and amazing and can really teach you so much about yourself. Yeah. It sounds like a really great partnership and I'm so happy that the two of you met. I read how you met. Can you tell that story? Oh, well, I, I met Rebma at a, at a sample sale for 69 and I was just like, so it was, uh, it was like right before, it was like early April and I was at the sample sale and there, I was like, there were these see-through linen pants and it was, and Passover was coming up and I was like, yeah, those are the pants. I'm going to wear those to Passover, piss off my mom. <laughs> and I, uh, I bought the pants. I flirted with Rebma like crazy at the sample sale. I was like, yeah, how you doing? Sup? 69 actually reached out to me and. I tried to get a writing gig with 69, actually. I wanted to be like, I'm going to, like, early, years and years ago, I was like, I'm going to rewrite your, I'm going to rewrite your copy. But that didn't work out. And they actually DM'd me on Instagram. And we're like, hey, you want to model sometime? Which is like a great move. You want to, you know, Mac. <laughs> so I was like, you know, which is deeply flattering. So I like rolled up to the, which is super flirty. So I rolled up to the spot. And um, I was like, yeah, heck yeah, model. I always, you know, because modeling for 69 is like a hipster coming of age. You know, it's like, it means a lot. It's a big deal. You know, if you've, you know, it's like a lot of people, I mean, hundreds of people have modeled for 69 and it's like hotties meant a lot. So I rolled up and uh, I just really love talking business. And I, I don't know, it was just like at the, at the time, I really just wanted to champion like, artists and people, you know, who I was obsessed with. And I was completely obsessed with 69 and for years. It's like, it's been such a, it's been such a thing for me. So I got these see-through pants for Passover. I roll them. I wear them to Passover. My mom goes, too sheer. <laughs> I go, yeah, you're prob probably right. Too sheer. So I'm like, so I hit Rebma up. I'm like, yo, I got to return these pants. I'm going to come by one of these nights. You know, and I like dropped them off or like I came by, you know, I was like nine o'clock. I'll drop those pants back off. And I brought the pants over 
and we like had a really lovely night. Pass the pants over. Yeah, I passed the pants. Drop, drop my pants. And uh, <laughs> drop my pants. Come off. No, actually, I didn't. You know, it was it was a very um, it was a very wholesome night. I tried to make a move, and Rebun was like, "Nah, dog. Like you gotta you gotta take me to Disneyland." And I was like, "What? Yeah, first date Disneyland. You got to do it." So, like later on that week. Our first date was Disneyland, and we we went, and uh, I bought a season pass because I had a good job at the time, <laughs> and I could afford a season. Pass. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was like I have no concept. South Feels of, expensive. It was south of seven hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah, which is you know again I had a good job at the time. We've been and so we've been obsessed with Disneyland ever since. And actually, we try to go once a week. Really? Yeah, we try to go every week. We try to go. Whoa, that's so cool. Yeah, I want to come sometime. That Please, yeah, fun. yeah, it's really cool because it. Rebna is like a world builder. Like 69 is a, a really beautiful yeah. world. So if you can, I don't think I'm necessarily interested in any of the properties, like the creative properties of the Disney corporation. Don't, eh, cool. But I'm not like a Marvel guy yeah. or like, but I think like as someone who fabricates stuff and makes stuff, it's like a, it's sick. Disneyland's really, really sick. If, if there's the details are everywhere and everything's completely fake. It's really cool. Yeah. It's so considered and holistic and beautiful. It's great. Yeah, it sounds like a a good like a ideal place to be inspired for someone who builds worlds and someone who's such a big creative thinker. And it sounds like your partnership. I'm so happy that happened. I'm so happy that you you know, I I think often the way you're describing this partnership that clearly works so well in so many ways and I'm sure, you know, has ups and downs like any relationship, but what's cool about hearing about this is I think it takes confidence, right? To there's often a d- dynamic when you're starting a relationship or you have a crush on somebody where you feel like a fan or you even when it's not like this is like spot on, you were a fan and you know and are and I am as well and you had to put that aside to build an actual connection with someone was that challenging? Totally. It took a lot of work. I, I was really young then. That was four years ago. Yeah. You know, I've been in I've been in therapy twice a week for five years now. And that's been incredible. So that was pretty early on in the yeah. in the process of sort of my personal development in mental health. It's you Something know to work totally. You sort of and I sort of had to you know, what's interesting about sixty nine is that it's the pronoun we and Rebma is the sole member of 69 and yet it is considered sort of a creative collaborative platform like it's just Rebma, you know but the thing about 69 is that it's sort of and people can sort of get confused they don't quite know whether they're part of 69 or not mm. that actually happens a lot because the line is really blurred speci- with that brand specifically because it is sort of like a collaborative you know it's sort of yeah. like it's it's the we it's the it's the it's the it's the nosotros. It's the plural. It's like, I sort of had to build my own. And luckily, Rebma has been an incredibly supportive, nurturing partner. Mm. And I've been able to sort of find myself in that relationship. Because I think for a long time, I was sort of not glommed onto them, but like, who am I? And, yeah. I, and sort of, I sort of, I think meals has been a big part of that sort of separating from still working with 69, but then sort of developing my own voice in tandem yeah. with that but it's been yeah. it's been a journey for sure yeah i mean it sounds like you worked through it but i hearing the story working working, working through it yeah, yeah, yeah i mean as we all do i i feel like i've done that so often 
in relationships where you put someone on a pedestal by accident, unrelated to collaborating work-wise or just having to, and then sometimes that dynamic changes. And I think it's just part of coming, I've done it in friendships, you know, where you're just feeling like, oh, this dynamic, I need to move a little bit over here, over here. And I think honestly, therapy and slowing down and communicating and, and it sounds like they're really helpful in this too of patience with each other. And you probably have to do all of that devil because you collaborate personally and professionally. But it, it sounds, I mean, they're clearly so prolific and it sounds like the partnership is, is really great. I, I read that they did 69 anonymously for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Only within the last two years has Revna come out sort of as a, wow. yeah, but it was always done sort of like, um, yeah, which is why it lends itself so easily to people who want to sort of co-opt their identity. I mean, this I'm I'm going to frame this in sort of a negative terms because I it was challenging for me. But you sort of co-opt the line. You sort of become I am sixty nine. I'm part of sixty nine. But yeah. then it's like, well, no. At the end of the day, it's like which is cool that it feels like you know it is really can cool. be a part yeah, of yeah. something. No, but absolutely, and it is like I think Meals was the first project where Rebma became Rebma, was Rebma. And you two use pseudonyms. Yeah, we do. We use nom de plumes, pen names. I think Rebma has always felt more comfortable distancing themselves from the work. There's a safety to it. Mm. Yeah. 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 Did you get the idea for meals on the way home from that Disneyland trip? We just started smoking the devil's lettuce. We just started smoking pot in uh, like two years into our relationship. And I think we were on our way to dinner. Marouche. I think it's a Mediterranean food in East Hollywood. Delicious. Try the Mez platter. Use code. Just kidding. <laughs> Use code. Let it out. Meals. For 15% off the Mez platter at Marouche. Beautiful East Not Hollywood. Not sponsored, but open to it. <laughs> <laughs> Call me. Yeah, we were high on our way to dinner. I just think I thought of the idea for like breakfast university. And I was like, that's so stupid. And I said it out loud and everyone was like, workshopped it at dinner. And then when you when you come up with something like that, you start seeing it everywhere. You start seeing people doing your like idea everywhere and you're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Got it. It like really lends some urgency to it. And then this fool who I used to like sell pants to a thousand years ago called me up and was like, This this homie from Oklahoma, you know, he's like, Sam, I want you to I want you to do this. I want you to make a brand for me. He's like, I see these other brands. I think it's easy. I think you should do it. I'm like, yeah, dog. Let's, but I got this other idea. See, I got this. <laughs> They're overalls, right? But they look like carrots. And he was like, no, nah, I'm silence. And I was like, well, whatever, fool. Do it myself. So I did. But yeah, it was like that lended some urgency to it. Because I was like, someone like believes in me. Yeah. He was like throwing money at me. I was like, really? Huh. Okay. So I did it. And then we uh, we had like a show, made our samples, started just doing production. I started like dying clothes in my sink. It was painful. I mean, great. I should say it was great. I should like... <laughs> is it still stained? My sink? My sink is disgusting for other reasons, that not being one of them. That's the least of my sink's problems. <laughs> So what year was that? Who can say? 
Who can say? I think I it was you, 2018. You asked me when I moved in here, and it, it, as if you asked me like a story problem, years? I was like, it took me 20 minutes to answer your question. Uh, in COVID years? Yeah, but I'm, I'm 31, but in COVID years, I'm 29. Yeah, same. Yeah. And yet the laugh lines and crow's feet, they don't wait. <laughs> they didn't wait for COVID. They haven't taken a hiatus. Don't even get me started on that. The gray hairs. <laughs> gray hairs are tight, though. People look tight with gray hairs. I do feel, do you feel like, I feel like I'm 29 and I'm like, I, these last three years, I don't feel like, what? I'm about to be 32 years old. I think it's something about spending, maybe your early thirties always would feel that way, but I think there's something particular about changing into it this decade when we did. So true. Do you think so? What age do I feel? I feel very young. I'm flourishing. (laughs) I keep making the joke that I'm having the 20s I didn't have in my 20s and my 30s. So, so. true. So true. Would you like to join me? Yeah. <laughs> I think there. you are. Yeah. I'm there. I've never had success in my life. Like, this is it. This is tight. <laughs> I have a store. Yeah, no, it's sick. It's so sick. Yeah, it's wicked. You're doing, I mean, my my whole like joke that I keep making is like, I think I'm doing really well for like a 25 year old, but <laughs> at this age, I no, come should on, you, have, you have a best-selling book. You have a best-selling book, didn't you? Best-selling is, is, is that a loose term? I, does anyone make money? And like, unless you're like, a, I, I only read um, detective procedurals. <laughs> True story. So you know my book, my detective procedural. <laughs> that I didn't JK Rowling, rest in peace, didn't she write like a, she wrote like a, every, so I work out at this gym and we're, and with Rebma. Mm-hmm. That's another thing we do. We work out once a week and partners in fitness and in, and in love bi- and fitness <laughs> and business and health and business. Uh, yeah. And fashion. So the trainer who we work with is like, all right, I'll see you guys on the turf, which is like, you know, we're an area where we do like some impact, whatever. And I'm always like trans exclusionary radical feminist. <laughs> <laughs> and I think of JK Rowling. <laughs> Rowling. No one gets it. It doesn't get, yeah. Okay. I liked it. Thanks. It got a laugh here. Okay. I want to go back to this piece that you wrote called Carnal Knowledge for Flond. Oh, yeah. Those are funny. It was so brilliant. And I want to read this passage back to you. And maybe you could tell me more about it. Sure. This is my favorite part. Is this the one about the jello? Or this is the one about the meat? This turned me vegetarian. This was like writing writing this piece about fake meat for Flond. This is it, right? Yeah, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I didn't know you had a piece on Jello, and I would really like to talk to you about that off oh, yeah, mic sure. for yeah, yeah. something unrelated, Jello related. Okay, stay tuned for the added bonus <laughs> After features. Show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is this is from the the piece Carnal Knowledge that is about me. Lay it on me. When I was a child, between episodes of Married with Children and Home Improvement, half-naked supermodels on TV would eat Carl's Jr.'s burgers slathered in everything as the condiment sludge dribbled down their bod. A hunky Gen X dude would whisper, if that doesn't get all over the place, it doesn't belong on your face. If it doesn't get all over the place. Okay. Let's yeah, you do that line. If it doesn't get all over the place, it doesn't belong in your face. <laughs> Do you remember those Carl's Jr. ads? I don't. I don't think we had those. They slapped. We didn't what about have... Hardee's? Did you have a Hardee's? I don't think we did, but... All right. It's let, a regional. Let me... I have a tidbit about me that I think you will appreciate. 
It was something. Surely my special relationship to sex and food and whatever else was cemented in those cathode rays. Which is a television set. In those days, we had cathode rays television sets. What are cathode rays? You know those big tube televisions we used to have when we were kids? Thick. Yeah. Thick. T-H-I-C-C. The Sony Triton. Trinitron. Anyway, that's what we had. But now we have LCD or Foolish. I should have toned it down. God. You think they'd let me rewrite it? (laughs) I think it's brilliant. I think it's perfect. Enough for me to read it on this audio program. So Ah. you grew up where food was central in your house. Your mom is this amazing baker and in this food scene, right? Yeah. But what talk more about you as a kid. Like you're watching these Carl's Jr. ads. Like what is your relationship to food and eating and... What are, what are you like then? What is Sam? Totally miserable, like completely sad. And just like my only respite in the world was like watching The Simpsons and like uh, just so, such a sad kid. Mm-hmm. And then like when I say love language my, with my mom and food, like I think it was just like, she has a pretty tortured relationship with food. It, it's a love language, but it's, yeah. a, it's a twisted love. So it's like, I think there might be, I think there might be an, an eat. An ED e- there, an not erectile dysfunction. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, the other. We're very familiar with that one here. Right. So I just her relationship with food is yeah. very complex. As so complex. many of ours. Right. Is. Right. And yeah. So those Carl's Jr. ads were really sexy. They were really great. I mean, like I'm a red blooded. Did you eat fast food growing up? Never. Never. It like wasn't allowed. Just was. I think we would get like happy meals periodically, but like, but it was just really hot and exciting and cool and you know condiments i think like i think the burger is all i think the burger is i don't eat meat anymore but well i eat like those impossible burgers but the the burger's the vessel you know for me mm-hmm. it's like the it's the confluence of uh of condiments that's like yeah. the best part for me anyway so it was just like it was weird i think i also had pica growing up are you familiar with oh pica? yeah when you eat like dirt and things that yeah yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. i would eat like I was constantly like eating my pants. Like I was eating wow. threads from my clothes constantly. Yeah. And I don't know if that, I know that pike is like, I was going to say a deviled ham, but what is the, it's a, it's a forked, it's sort of like a two prong mm. where it's psychological and it's physical, right? Like yeah. it's a nutrient deficiency. Yeah. And then it's also, it it can also be a psychological thing, but it was just like a compulsive. I think I would like just eat threads all the time. And like, that's really common for kids that, uh, is really, that right? yeah, a really close friend of mine who is a, my friend, kid who's a child, who's my friend, you'll recognize him from the guest book. <laughs> he, when his parents were getting a divorce, he was constantly just eating his his clothes. Yeah. And that, I guess, his teacher said is really common. It's something that a lot of kids, it, a tick, you know, we all have these yeah, things that we sure. turn yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know? I don't know if it counts as pica then. Well, you know, I'm, I don't know the rules. I don't know the I'm no clinician to pica, but whatever it is, something ah. that you turn to. But I think all, all of us, that that part really, that whole piece really hit me because the fact I was going to tell you about me is that I'm I'm from Michigan where we don't have Car- Carl's Jr., but we do have Arby's and my family owned fast food restaurants. Oh, is that right? Interesting. Yeah. So my uncle owned three cool. Arby's restaurants. And he was a franchisee. It's a franchisee. And... Yeah, I can. I come from like a sea of eating disorders and a sea of complex right. relationships with food, which, you know, I think we all have what you called in this piece, you know, your messy relationship to food and sex. And as I was preparing for this and I read that, I was like, wow, that's what I think I love about the connection between meals, the 
fashion brand that's about bodies and clothes and the physical. And the word carnal kept coming to me because when we think about sex and food, it's so intimate, right? Like these things are are messy and we all do and we all have complex relationships too, you know, and have gotten passed down to us or picked up or whatever. And I think the brilliance of connecting clothes, what we wear with the concept of body image almost, right? Like when you think of like fashion, 90s, that like the Carl's Jr. person, right? You think of this very specific sort of relationship to bodies that's so different than what I'm so happy that we're seeing now what we grew up with, right? Like part of that is the coolness of brands like 69 and meals and where we're the direction we're going now. But there's just something about the brand of meals where you're melding food and fashion. And, you know, as you say, everybody eats and everybody wears clothes. And I just think that the, that combo really hits something for me that, today as I was contemplating it, I think is really special and really making people, you know, put those two things together is just cool. I think when when we started meals, it was like, I think the operative word, like what's our verb? It's to confuse food and fashion. But I think there's a confrontational quality to that. I don't know. I think the fashion world has co-opted language from the food world. So you hear the expression fast fashion, which is like a cognitive fast food in a way, right? You know, and disposability, I think like quality and enduring. I guess the idea that it's like, well, both are sort of experiential, like clothing and food are like both an experience and, but one sort of lasts quite a bit longer, at least in our case. Would you say that you're, do you feel like your relationship with food is still messy or how do you feel like it is now? Yeah, totally. Cause I think I'm still like sort of figuring out my relationship to my mom in a lot of ways. And that's like a lot of work I'm doing. And so I would say that like my relationship to food is like an exponent of my relationship to my mother in some ways. And then like, I'm constantly, I overeat a lot. Like I'm con, I don't know. Like I, I binge a lot. So no, it's fucking complicated dog. <laughs> well, I, well, I'll say this. My therapist says <laughs> everything is everything, right? So it's food, it's your mother, it's work, <laughs> it's your friendships, it's your you know, it's, I, I think I think they're kind of right. That's beautiful. Everything is everything. I don't know if it's their line, but I think it's true. <laughs> That's cool. That's very zen. Yeah. What I love about asking questions like this and talking about the messy stuff is, and I don't know if you feel this way as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts where people talk about this, these sorts of things, what has helped me more than anything with messy relationships with food and sex and bodies and relationships and all of it is knowing that I'm not the only one that feels like that. And hearing that when I, I remember the first few times I heard that this weird fucked up thing that I did, someone else also did, or someone else has, I don't know, probably some like self-harming thing Uh that I did, like food related or whatever. But I feel like it's, (laughs) you know, I think it's us not feeling alone where then you can feel like you can tell someone. And then when you, when you tell someone else, the shame doesn't exist, right? The shame is the piece that makes us feel bad. It's not bad if we, when you share something, I think shame dissipates. So thank you for sharing. In terms of like food behaviors, that's not something I've, I think I 
I'd like to do more looking into that. I think that would be really cool. And it sounds like you've done, I mean, it sounds like it's been a major focus of your work oh, yeah. on yourself. But, I have all the I, resources. <laughs> right, right. No, and from the from the stuff I've listened to of yours, you touch on it. You know, but. Yeah, it comes up. It's it's like kind of a big one in there. As But then everything is everything, as we know. So I've been listening to, Louis Anderson passed away, and he's a stand-up comedian who I thought was really funny. And he was in Overeaters Anonymous. After meetings, they would go to House of Pies. And he would go, guys, I don't think we should be doing this. You know? <laughs> he would go, never at a booth, because they couldn't fit. It's like the alcoholics all going to the bar after the meeting. <laughs> right. I guess it's different. It's it's complex. So that's why OA is really, this is like a whole thing. We Have you been to OA? I have, but I for me, it's complex because I think, for a lot of reasons, but it's very directive and a um what's well, like behavior behavioral yeah i mean it's like you have to stick to a meal plan and do things a certain right, way right, where right. i believe in a more loose model and i don't think i don't think i don't believe that any behavior that you do with food is bad i think it's the judgment about it that's bad and i think it's like our relationships are with food like i said are complex and we and bodies change and go up and down and we're Food isn't just nourishment. It's also connection and love and emotional. And it's un unlike alcohol or drugs, we have to engage with it. You know, it's kind of like those ones. And I guess like codependent anonymous or huh. sex too, I guess those things are not something you can as easily cut out as alcohol or drugs. Right. And not that those are easy. That's reductive too, but we have to eat not only yeah, every right. day, exactly. but like a right. bunch of times a day and you have to engage with this and you have to like be in a body. And so I think it's one of the more complicated addictions to treat. And I think everybody's bodies and the way that they respond to different treatment is really different. And each case is really complex. So for so many people, always great, but there's people like me where it like made it worse, can, can make it worse or can make it more complex or so you just have to find, and I think all those rooms, the cool thing about all those rooms is there's very low tolerance for bullshit and it's people being able to share honestly, like I was saying before, and take takes away the shame, makes people feel less alone because I think a lot of our problems, a lot of emotional, for, I'll speak for myself, like a lot of emotional problems that then can come into the body or whatever come from feeling lonely and feeling isolated and feeling like you can't talk to anyone. And I think that's why therapy in those rooms and friendship and connection and honesty, at least with yourself is, is important, but it's so hard to get there. And it's so easy to like push it down and it's that we don't want to feel feelings. We don't want to feel. So that's why we turn to the food or turn to whatever we all have our things we turn to. I've turned to like several and do it at all times. That's my TED talk. Thank you for coming, Sam. <laughs> that was great. No, I dug it. It was cool. I never get to hear about OA. Speaking of addictions, I'm going to pour myself another drink. Okay. <laughs> I'm really excited about this new brand I discovered called First Person. I would love to wake up every morning feeling clear, not feeling foggy, feeling energized, and... I really want focus. I crave focus. We've been contemplating focus 
and talking about it for the last couple months on the show. And I believe that that's where I feel my best, where maybe we all feel our best. And there's so many different things pulling at our attention and fracturing our focus. And today's sponsor, First Person, might be able to help because they can allow you to take a more active role in your brain's overall health. So after witnessing the deteriorating effects Alzheimer's had on their father and grandfather's cognitive health, brothers Chris and Joe were determined to take their brain health into their own hands. So after 25 years of research and experimentation, they came up with First Person, which is an innovative, precision-targeted, cognitive supplement system which uses the brain boosting medicinal benefits of mushrooms to activate the full potential of human cognition and brain health. First person supplements made with functional mushrooms aim to stimulate the body's natural production of a specific neurotransmitter that can trigger activities like energy, mood, and sleep. So they're grown in the U.S., Expertly crafted first person only uses the highest quality, 100% pure, filter-free mushrooms. I'm so happy that I received these. Honestly, the packaging alone is enough to have me really like the way this system works because it comes in these little pouches and then you get a kind of a pill container for them and There's one for energy, which I've been taking. That's been helping me with focus. There's one that I take sort of in the evening before I'm going out to see friends that's sort of mellow. And then there's one for sleep. I really like them all. I think I'm here supposed to choose, but truly, if I had to, I guess I would say the first one I tried, which is Sunbeam. And that one's for motivation and focus, and it helps to maximize productivity And it's really good to do when you're trying to do something creative or have a really focused mindset. It supports the body's natural production of the dopamine neurotransmitter to activate the brain's motivation and reward system. So this supports work and learning and long-term mental stamina. And it feels, you just feel a bit more alert, clear perhaps inspired. I also really like Golden Hour. That's another one. That's the one for joy and connection. And that one helps you with confidence and mood and socializing and long-term memory. And what that one does is it supports the body's natural production of the oxytocin hormone and helps to mitigate stress and boost the mind-body connection. I think you'll, you'll probably like them too. Start improving your brain health and cognition with First Person. Get 15% off your first order by going to getfirstperson.com and use code LETITOUT. That's G-E-T-F-I-R-S-T-P-E-R-S-O-N.com, code LETITOUT for 15% off your first order. Getfirstperson.com, code LETITOUT. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We've all been so cooped up these last two years, so I don't know about you, but I'm really itching for travel and to explore places I haven't been before and return to places I love. But in the meantime, I've found a podcast that's helped me to finally escape. 
On each episode of Not Lost, host Brendan Francis Newham goes to a new place, explores what it has to offer, and then, to really understand what makes it tick, tries to get invited to dinner at a stranger's house. From Montreal to Mexico City, Brendan and his guests drink, dance, and eat, learning as much about themselves as the places they visit. Not Lost is a delightful travel escape and an insightful look at people, locals, and visitors alike trying to make sense of a constantly changing world. Listen to Not Lost wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Credit Karma. Maybe you're planning for a big expense and Credit Karma could help you look for the lowest interest personal loan that could save you money while you pay for your purchase. Paying out credit card debt can be stressful, especially when you have to keep track of multiple monthly payment dates. If you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. That way you'll have just one due date a month and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so that you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances for approval. So you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It won't affect your credit scores at all and it could save you money. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. I read this interview of yours from 2019 where you said something that is pretty wild to hear now that COVID has happened. And I think it's actually more true now than when you said it, but you say in this interview with Vice in October of 2019, 2019 prizes experiences over objects. Oh, yeah. We're living in an age of pop-ups, activations, and selfie-centric museums. Food is an experience too. Meals infuses the experience of food into fashion and vice versa. Through language, imagery, and merchandising, we're trying to completely confuse the two. So you kind of mentioned that confusion that you're doing before, but I'd love if you could talk about that now. Oh, yeah. And then what would you say 2022 prizes? Well, we're back, right? Like it does, it, it prizes experiences again because we're so hard up for it. We want like, oh my God. You know, I just opened a store like a year ago and it's been, it's like tripled the size of my business. Like it's made me, wow. it's just, that's pig headed to like say, I don't know. But it's cool. My neighbor. <laughs> no, no. Think, no, no. I, I mean, like, it's just like lame to talk about your success. But it's just like, it's been incredible for our... It's just no, been that's amazing. Great. It's, it's so not, sick. No. Um, but the store is my neighbor, which is a, yes, the store which is is a brag of me. <laughs> right, right, right. Cloud College. 54 in Monta Vista. Fridays and Saturdays. 11 to 5. Maybe we'll do a let it out meet up there. Every, if, you, if you listen to this podcast, we should, we should say that to come at a certain time. <laughs> yes. And give us the emoji of the week. <laughs> so your question was, we're back to prizing experiences, I think. You know, 2022, I think it's all coming back. Baby, yeah. COVID's over. So it's basically what 2019 was, but... But thirsty. Deviled. Yeah, that was a response to like Museum of Ice Cream mm-hmm. and like all those funny... Museum of Sex. There are so many of those. Yeah. For years, we were like... The experience economy is what was touted, right? Like musical artists don't make money on streams. They make money... 
by you going to their concert mm-hmm. and Justin Bieber having like a personal signing with fans. Like that's where the money's made, right? That's the bread and butter is like merch. So it was just like, I guess I sort of had that talking point at dinner one night with some people from Nike. I was like, food is an experience. And then I said something like, but fashion isn't experiential. Wearing things isn't experiential. But And then they were like, no, what are you talking about? It's totally experiential. Like wearing a garment transforms you. So did that switch your perspective? Hearing that from them? Yeah, I was like, I did draw lines between food and apparel more as like experiential. I don't know. When I think of experiential, I just think of things that are fleeting. And the way that I make clothes, my clothes aren't going anywhere. They're like, it's workwear. So it's like, you're, you should have a pair of meals pants. If you, you could wear a pair of meals pants for four years straight and you'd have to repair them, but they could do it. They could take that beating. Yeah. Which is how it, it should. Well, there's that trick. We have this person who comes into the shop called Sartorial Sagittarius. I think their Instagram is defunct now, but yeah, they had this trick where you, you take all of the clothing in your closet and then you, if it's all on racks and you place it a certain way, and then you can tell at the end of the year whether you've worn a garment or not. And it can sort of show you within a year if you've worn stuff. And it can be incredibly helpful in sort of like doing a mass exodus yeah. of your closet. I collect pants. Like it's, I mean, like I'm a pant. So you obsessive. have a lot of obsessive. Well, I just like really care about yeah. pants. It's like, it's sort of what I love more than anything. I really love pants. I think they're really special. And I understand the engineering and like, I really think pants are amazing. So I just collect a lot of pants. Because you're so tall and you had... I think I'm constantly looking down, yeah. Constantly looking down at my shoes. I'm going, nice shoes. I think, well, I really love shoes too. And I think pants are pants are in conversation with, with the shoes. <laughs> anyway, so like our chef pant, which is like our, our best-selling pant. Use code let it out for 15% off your... Really? Yeah, sure. Also want to... Thanks, Shopify. And I use MailChimp. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. I'm being like, I'm losing it. No, but like, we, like, all of the chef pants are cropped because it's like, well, I want to see my shoes. That's really the reason they're cropped. It's like, because I love a chunky ass shoe. Well, Christine and I share a lot of clothes. So that's something that I thought of from a sustainability perspective perspective it's like I have like four belongings it's like my joke and I rewear things all the time and I think that it's even when you said four years I'm like I feel like I I don't depending on what you're doing they might not have to be mended because they they are really great quality and but I get it I also get that people have really big wardrobes and, and it's such a fashion is something that it doesn't love people you back, baby. But people don't feel like me where it's like, I want to wear the same things over again. And I want to, you know, like, I, I know that that's not a perspective for everyone too. There's like, I can understand both ways of thinking about that. I almost never buy new garments, right? Yeah. Like I'm sort of like obsessed with, I'm like an eBay fetishist. I just love eBay so much. Anyway, so like used clothes. Really. Yeah. What's your favorite outfit that you have right now that if you were going to, wear something today from your closet, what would you put together? What are some pieces that you love? I like, this is going to sound pretty white bread, but I, uh, you know, I collect Brooks Brothers linen shirts. And I just really love those with a t-shirt and then a very nice sweater. I just have like sweaters from this brand named Manistash that I really like. It's called the Kurtigan. They sell it at Virgil Normal. It's modeled after the sweater that Kurt Cobain wore on the MTV Unplugged. Oh, cool. It's very cool. And then I, 
I collect this clothing brand called Prison Blues, which is um, jeans made by prisoners in Pendleton, Oregon. It's like sort of a a garment sewing training program in Pendleton, Oregon. And mm. so the pants that I have on today are from Prison Blues. But, you know, um, I do wear my chef pants a lot, like the chef, the pants from Meals and then like just a Mondo huge oversized tee or a sweatshirt, you know. And then the shoes change every day. You always look great. When I saw you, I must have been at one of Christine's DJ things. I yeah, got the sure. phone. You're in a very cool coat. And I was like, wow, chic. It was all working. Putting on the Ritz. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want to talk about my neighbor, about Cloud College. So you designed it to look like a quad, which is near and dear to me as I live in an old school. Yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> this is incredible. I'm obsessed with this space, but yeah, go on. Can you talk about how you ended up there and why you wanted to be in that space and design it as you did? We were bequeathed the space by the artist Seth Bogart. Seth Bogart is the lead singer of this band called Hunks and His Punks. He's uh, like a really amazing queer artist who also has a really strong ceramics practice. And um, that was his ceramics studio. And um, he would have, he sort of has a legacy of having stores around Los Angeles and he sort of would have a pop-up there every week, kind of. It was either called Mondo Mondo or Mondo Mondo or, oh wait, no, it was called Wacky Wacko. It was the name of his shop. Mondo Mondo is a jewelry and perfume store on our street. That's really cool. But anyway, um, and so he was moving out of the space, so we took it over. And then we were painting the space and Rebel was just like, paint it, you know, just like get it done. And I was like, okay. And then we, so I painted it blue and then Rebma painted white clouds everywhere. And it sort of, and we were just like, and the name came about, Cloud College came about because um, we, you know, I think the idea of clown college is really funny. Mm -hmm. Like I never had, I've always struggled in academia. Like, and I like, I'm really about the laugh. Like I really just like, that's my love language a little bit is like, humor at any cost to a fault probably i wanted to be like if someone was in a nightclub and they were like where did you get those pants and then you'd be like cloud college and someone would be like clown college good one like nice you know because we make really large clothing like generally the garments we make are very oversized and huge so it'd be humorous if someone was like i got these at clown college and so it's sort of like a joke that you can write for someone <laughs> And I was like, SEO for this, you know, search engine optimization is going to be amazing for this. Like no one, Cloud College isn't going to exist anywhere. No one, no one's thought of this. And then of course there's a, I believe there's a school in North Carolina. It's like Cloud County really? Community College, but we, we're beating them in the, in the SEO. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Wow. Um, but then the concept for it is like, yeah, I haven't like, it's a, like meals is so i don't know if erudite is the word but like watertight like the concept is watertight and for cloud college i haven't done as well of a job it, i guess the, i really loved school stores yes like me in colleges too. I think we in high school we did too yeah where you could get your candy, candy. that's right oh, i had like a swedish fish I addiction god about the school store it was my favorite thing to go and get some are you familiar with otis spunkenmeyer cookies by any chance do you know, does this mean nothing to you? No, I'm familiar. They're, um, Do you hate them? They're in Mylar. 
They're a little dry, ain't oh, they? At East Lansing High School school store, they're quite moist, <laughs> as I recall. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Because you can go either t- you can sort of go two ways with a. Ours were, there was a way to. They were warm. Like, they were warmed. Someone sat on them. <laughs> it was me. That was my job at the. At the <laughs> they were in someone's backpack. The, yeah, you were the, the you were the hen. You were the cookie hen. Yeah, mm. that was my role. Use code Spunkenmeyer for fifteen percent <laughs> off your next Spunken. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're in the silly lens, may I just ask you something? While we're in the what silly moment? Yeah, I'm just gonna sure. ride it. Yeah, cool. I read in one of my interviews. I read today about you when i was stalking you for sure <laughs> that stoked <laughs> you did an event in the prior to the pandemic oh yeah you hosted a thanksgiving dinner at your studio and someone was figuring out how to put an entire thanksgiving dinner in a gogurt tube oh yeah i don't know if that ever happened i think that was like a concept of ours to try to do that but actually what's more interesting is that we did like i don't know what you're talking about but that i believe sounded you. so cool and all i could think about was like i Please explain all like I'm I'm envisioning like the perfect bite where you have like mashed potatoes, almost like a sand art situation. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you sure. scoop it up and you get like a little bit of stuff. I'm not even a huge fan of Thanksgiving, but I feel like in this context, I'd like it more somehow. I feel like this was a theoretical Thanksgiving dinner that never happened. I don't think this ever came to fruition. But well, what what is interesting? Totally. There's still time. What is interesting is that for our first presentation, we did our show at this place, at this gallery, rather prominent gallery on La Cienega called Various Small Fires. Very hot shit. Cool gallery. And uh, what was really funny is we were able to, because they thought we were a charity, because meals, <laughs> someone thought they thought that they thought that meals was not for profit, and believe me, you check the books. At the time, it was not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they hooked us up with this fat space, thinking that we were like charitable, and we were not. Anyway, it was hella funny. And then the the owner of the gallery was like, it was like the day of the show, and they were like, "What the hell is this?" Like you. You're not like, this isn't a charity. You're not like giving money to, this isn't raising money for the homeless. Like, what do you do? Like, this isn't like giving people food or I would never have allowed this. And we were like, day late, dollar short. (laughs) (laughs) We're already set up, dog. And they were like, fine, do it, whatever. But I really had to get on my hands and knees and kiss ass for that. That was hella funny. funny. Yeah, it was cool. And actually in Google, if when I'm writing an email, this is, exhausting but every time i write meals in an email it autocorrects to meals on wheels is there a setting we can like <laughs> can someone from apple please call us to fix it or i guess that would be google yeah that i'd like to help you with that i feel like that has to be a real challenge it's a okay it's kind of funny because it reminds me of that clever anecdote yeah we can maybe do the thanksgiving Gogur at some point because I did read that you recently purchased liability insurance for the, oh, the God. cloud college. Well, that's uh, <laughs> no one trip and fall. Well, I'm buying insurance to, this week. If you want me to um, oh, be shot God. out of a cannon, that's what you mentioned. That was for. I'm, oh yeah, my, I'm down. I had a I'm press represent. I had a press representative at the time, and that was just like uh, that was a. Ch- <laughs> that was like to check if they were reading the copy that I was submitting. I don't know. You know, like. Rebma, my partner. Where's your press representative now? They, they were <laughs> shot out of a cannon. 
<laughs> no, they're so tight. <laughs> they're letting they're, you do this. I think they're in Paris. Please. I, I hustled for this myself. <laughs> yeah, I, brought, I didn't hear from your press representative no, for booking this. <laughs> certainly not. Well, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I was asking if we could do interviews and have Thanksgiving dinner at the space, but oh yeah, you know, please, who no, knows? we can There's, totally do that. We can also shoot a cannon. So yeah, right. Opportunities yeah, are endless. That was funny. I don't know to anyone who has a business and is like considering courting PR. It's like, believe me, it's industry facing. It's not your peers aren't going to be reading whatever they whatever publications like. I mean, who reads? I mean, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Me, the person. You read publications? Is, well, I read everything that was written about right, you today. Right. And this was all paid for. Like, this was everything that you read was like gotten through, uh, you know, you sort of a press yeah. representative, you know. That's really good to know, actually, because I'm over here like, how do I get more people to look at my things or do like, I never would have made that. I mean, I have a very different but I don't business, think there's ROI. I don't think there's return on investment for me getting in some art publication. Like no one cares. Well, I think having, I think it legitimizes things and I think it, it like to s- certain people and to certain, you know, I think seeing all the press that you had today, like I think there's, there's something to it. You know, I think people still are reading articles more than we think. That's what I'm figuring out in the last couple of weeks. I don't think I've, to use coarse language, like I just don't think like I've seen it a ton of conversion from yeah. those articles. It does lend legitimacy to me, but like, yeah. 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 Sales. It doesn't like necessarily. No. Yeah. No. And, but I think it's all cumulative as my, you know, therapist would say, everything is everything. Like, I think it all helps. Right. Right. In many ways, meals was like sort of formulated for Virgil normal. There's this shop in Virgil village next to squirrel called Virgil normal. And we sort of like built the line so that it would, so that the price was right for the mm-hmm. Virgil person. And then it was a shop that I really loved. So I was sort of able to sort of nurture a relationship with the shop owner and like spend as much time as possible there. If you're starting like a new project, I think it's really cool to know what your, who your audience is. And so like, I was like, Oh, I thought you were making fun of me. Cause I, it looked like I was, <laughs> are you starting a new project <laughs> now? Are you, are you, I thought you were like giving you, me shit for looking at my notes. <laughs> no, no, no. You're like, you're, are you registering you a domain were, right now? I thought you were like <laughs> laughing at me. Oh man, you're, you make me laugh, Sam. I shouldn't dispense. And that's Maybe how should, you didn't even mean to. I shouldn't dispense advice. Maybe it comes off as no, inauthentic. So funny. No, it was because I was, well, you mentioned Charlie and I asked if he had oh, a yeah, right, question right. for yeah, you. Yeah, and cool, so cool. I was like, I'll pull it up right now and put it in. But then. Anyway, then I thought you were thinking I was multitasking, which I I wrote some copy about Charlie once. I was like, for an email, I was like, "Come on down to Virgil Normal and and tell him and 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 tell him meal sent you to the proprietor, and he'll give you a gracious nod." Charlie, very reserved, beautiful person, but a low key fool. He's low key, chiller, Mondo chiller, but low key. Anywho, he's so nice. Yeah. I want to go back to the pandemic for a quick moment because I read that and I noticed this because I I bought one. You were one of the first brands to start making masks and I read that sourcing the elastic was kind of nuts and you said you had a story about this. So day 2 of the pandemic, my partner, 
I mean, I was ready to like, luckily I had like writing jobs lined up. So I wasn't like too freaked out because I have e- I had like e-commerce copywriting gigs lined up. Mm-hmm. But my partner who does 69 was like, oh, we're, we're ruined. No one's ever going to buy clothes ever again. We're going to be shut in. It's going to be crazy. And then I think Rebma had some elastic lying around and a ton of scrap fabric. And we just started selling masks like day two of the pandemic and selling our masks. And Rebma decided on like selling masks for five bucks at the time. And then we were like, we got hella shade for that. People were like mad dogging us. They were like, how can you profiteer off this? And it was like, oh, please, five bucks. It's like, yeah, it's like covering costs right they're the best masks the 69 masks are are excellent yeah, yeah the meals masks. Both i just had to like i was just like so sick of of making them Rebma actually got you know because we're domestic we made hella masks because we're domestic manufacturers we were actually put on a list and we were contacted by nasa to make masks for J- like jet propulsion laboratory and Pasadena, which is like, wow. you know, they make rockets, right? So 69 was commissioned to make 10,000 masks for Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which was super, super funny. And 69 is like, if you don't know, it's like a queer art brand. Like it's as weird as it gets. It's weird. Very strange, very surreal, unusual, massive architectural, like museum curator stands. Like, anywho. So like, we were like, hey, NASA, you want... So you want the label on these? Because we we don't have to make them with the label on. They were like, no, keep it. Cool of NASA. Yeah, hipsters over there. Someone's uh Known for that. <laughs> someone's a DJ. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to take a sip of my drink take on mic. All the misophonia people. What do is you know that? about that? No. It's... Well, it directly translates as a hatred of sounds, but people have like... It's kind of the opposite of ASMR, uh-huh. where like people hear like that or like tortilla chips mouth sounds, basically, or or it could be any sound, and they like have the opposite reaction to what ASMR. Yeah, 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 totally. Like well, there's a I lot of like the clunkiest way, but I listen to podcasts like that where it's like uh, it's a vocal fry, and then and then they'll have the you'll hear them smoking cigarettes, and then they'll <laughs> and then the sound of. Ice in the wine glass. Yeah. Pretty funny. Anywho. So we were saying, uh, yeah. So during the pandemic, elastic was... So we had to source quarter inch woven elastic. And we were making thousands and thousands of masks. We had to source the elastic. And and the only place we could get it was this um, store in the garment district that sells trims and notions called Zip Up Zipper. So it was like all businesses were shut down. You had to do business. You had to give money through a gate. And then you had to meet a sales associate in an alley to give you the elastic. And elastic was so highly sought after. And we were completely gouged in price. So like normally a roll of woven elastic will be $10, but we were buying it for $60 a roll. And the yield was like not that high. So it was like just staggering price gouging. You know, I just remember maybe it was it was December in the pandemic, pretty cold in the garment district. And I've like just done this deal and in a back alley for elastic. And I'm like booking, I'm hoofing it back to my whip, back to my car, my little Prius, my little production wagon. I've got like elastic in my arms and this Chevy Suburban rolls up and they're like, 
yo, is that elastic? You know, like these, <laughs> these people roll down the window and they're like mad dogging me. And I'm just like, nah, nah. And I'm just booking it. And it's just like elastic was so hard. And it was just like a moneymaker because everyone was making masks and there was like no way to... Anyway, that was like hardcore. That was like the... That was shady. That was some shady shit. Yeah. And I talked to Sam from... The Garment District is really interesting because there's so many like personalities. And we make everything in LA. And the Garment... It's just like there's so many amazing personalities down there. Like Sam from Zip Up Zipper. He's like a Sephardic... He's like a Sephardic Persian Jew who's really beautiful. And he has like this incredible, he has this deep baritone voice, you know. And and there's this woman, Iris Alonzo from Everybody World. I was talking to her. She's like a production hero of mine, you know, like a garment producer. And she was like, you know, Sam from Zip Up has just, he has the most, I think he has the prettiest voice in the garment district. He should have a podcast. He should. And I'm always trying to get a better price from Sam. So I, I roll up to Zip Up Zipper, his shop, and I was like, how much is this? You know, I was like, how much are these zippers? And he's like, $13? 13, so I'll do it to Sam. He was like, $13? And I was like, you know, Iris Alonzo says that you have the prettiest voice in the garment district. And Sam goes, Iris said that about me? I go, yes, prettiest voice in the garment district. I go, how much for those zippers again? He goes, $15? Anyway. Because you see the price went up from 13 to 15. Sam gouged, gouged us. Lovely man. But he's actually, uh, he reads poetry in Farsi for his temple. He's brilliant. And wow. he's like a cantor too. He's, he really does have a beautiful voice. Wow. Maybe yeah. we can get a clip of that somehow. This, you've, got the, you've got the next best thing. That's such a wild story about the elastic it's the kind of thing I, like i remember when the pandemic was starting and people were you know the whole hoarding toilet paper and it really came to me of like wow we're gonna we all had this moment of like this is gonna be when we're old saying at that time in 2020 we the elastic thing is so like that's gonna be pierced in your memory forever it's great i'm lucky yeah. that i have like a, it's a great story i'm lucky that i just wasn't a knowledge worker sitting at home like yeah. that i was like that we were that we out, got to be out it. hustling yeah and like we never stopped we never had a pandemic because we just kept on making clothes the whole time and then like making masks and producing garments and like people's houses the whole time it did not stop and in fact it like i would say that the pandemic was sort of the best thing that and not to sound like a profiteer but the, the pandemic was like the best thing mm -hmm. to ever happen to us in a way I'm to our businesses that that, that that happened and that yeah because it, it was really new right before meals wasn't really yeah, new yeah. Right before like a year that. and a half totally yeah. yeah we'll do the rest of these as a rapid fire but may i since that was such a good story may i share a funny story with Please, you yeah. that is meals related you bet i i was lucky enough to come to the opening of cloud college Yes. And you gave me a wonderful bag that I use all the time, and in it was some stickers. Do you remember this? Of course. Can you describe one of the stickers? Explain it to everyone listening. Oh, well, like uh, one of the logos for meals is uh, a watermelon retainer. It's just a retainer that I've had since childhood, and we use that as the... It's just disgusting, you know? I think, like, the point of meals is to, like, it's sort of... Again, it's, like, confrontational. Yeah. It's supposed to be a little bit... Gross. I think retainers have like a mixed... People are sort of have mixed feelings about them. You know, my parents would always call them teeth jewelry. They always like tried to frame them as like a sort of a chic accessory. About braces as well? Yeah. Do you do braces? Oh, yeah. Orthodontic. Great in general. Teeth. Thank you so much. Did you have headgear? 
I did not, but I actually bought some recently because I just think it's sort of oh, fetishy and cool. Why do you call me? I could have, <laughs> I could have had it shipped you, from you Michigan. Have beautiful teeth, yeah. Thank you, headgear. Well, and brings me to my story. So you give us these stickers, and you had given some to. I, I came with Maddie and Christine, and so I believe we all have these stickers. Local celebrities, or and, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I talk a lot about my retainer, apparently, at least to. To Christine. And I think at the time I was like, maybe I, I was like, I had spent the night and I was like, I need my, ret-. something I had been mentioning my retainer because it must have been on her mind. And I think I was trying to make a container for my retainer in ceramics. I'm pretty sure that was maybe why she was, this was on her mind. And so she was over and we were having a dinner here with, it wasn't just Christine and I here. There were like several people here and we were having dinner. And I had, you're, so we are the same age, so this will explain that we do have the exact same retainer. <laughs> and I had wow. the sticker sitting right here. I have like a, for everyone listening at this table we're sitting at right now, I have this like doily thing. Mac- macrame platter. Yeah, and I had your sticker sitting here for some reason. And Christine was like, ooh, like what? She was like, what a bold move. Like she really <laughs> thought that, that it was my retainer. And it made me laugh so hard. And I, yeah, hold on, I'm gonna just a second. And so ever since then, you know, since. Wow. And for the folks at home, there's a retainer sticker on, yeah, amazing. It over where it says night guard. I used to collect uh, retainer cases too because I think there. I just think there's like a Dr. Bloor, who's my orthodontist. He was mocked on. Can we get a discount for him too? Uh, He has a really sick office. He's actually mocked on curb your enthusiasm. Really? Yeah. He's also Larry David's orthodontist. Wow. Yeah. Name drop. Wow. No wonder those teeth are so. Yeah. Hi, folks. But Dr. Bloor has a really beautiful office with a, with a cloud drop ceiling and a train track running around the perimeter of it and a jukebox. It's what? like a, Is this real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's in Beverly Hills and it's a, it's a remarkable. They don't make them like Dr. Peters in East Lansing, Michigan. No train. <laughs> yeah. And it shows. <laughs> I'm still wearing <laughs> so my goddamn shitty. retainer, so. I know. I, I wear a night guard now because I'm, yeah. I'm a nervous yeah. Nelly. Teeth biter, TMJ. Teeth biter. You bet or, I bite my um, teeth. What do you These call it? These damn teeth. What do we do? Um, grinder. Grind. Yeah. Grinder. Thank you. That was it. That was my. That was my funny story that I, I asked your. That was the story I wanted you to tell, and so that was the one I wanted to tell you. But let's wrap with some rapid fire questions. All right, hold on. You need to stretch out or anything for this ah. portion. <laughs> All right, where where should we start? So let me let me warm you up. I'm gonna. I think I need to warm you up. What's your favorite food of all time? My mom made a gazpacho soup when I was really little. That was really fantastic. How do you take care of yourself? Like you you mentioned therapy, and I remember I saw you at cookbook, and you're like, I'm about to go to therapy. So I, I knew you go to therapy. Do you? Do you try to like manage stress? You you're working out. You're yeah. I work out with you, my partner. We go to Disneyland once a week, which is actually like a walk. Like we sort of treat it like a workout, where we sort of like work out our. We sort of get a drink at California Adventure, and then just like we sort of have a long walk. But like, I'm so in love with working right now. I've never had success in my life really, so like I'm just so sort of in love with that. I haven't gotten to a point where I like. 
I'm just completely in love with what I get to do all the time. So it's not, I'm actually not in a place where like, I guess last week we went to the desert and took LSD. That was tight. That's so cool. Like, but that, that's a really, I love that Disneyland is like, I love that you go there once a week. I just think that that's really inspiring me. Season pass, just, you need to park in Anaheim. You just park in the suburbs. Like you, you park 0.5, half a mile away and then walk in. So you don't have to pay the 30 bucks. Huh. You save 30 bucks. And then if you have a, this, you know, this is going to be suppressed by the, by the good folks at Disney. But. Um, hot tip. Okay. I know you loved Jonathan Gould and you oh got to God, tell obsessed. him how much that you, yeah, his work I meant to you. Him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That was amazing. I saw him one night at HMS Bounty. I was on a date before I met my beloved. Yeah, and he was drinking at the. He was drinking with some uh, some kids, some people my age, and I looked over at the kids, and they were like, they were like, I was like gawking at them, and they were like, we know, we know, we're sitting with him. Yeah, and then I talked to the bartender Annie at HMS Bounty, who's been there forever, and I was like, Annie, do you know who that is over there? She goes, No, who is that? He comes here all the time. I go, That's Jonathan Gold. He's the only food writer to ever win a Pulitzer, and he's drinking here. She goes, He, he's always here. I go, really? What's he drink? She goes, Chivas Regal, a blended scotch. Interesting. And uh, it's pretty good if you've had Chivas. Sweet. Yeah, I was like, do you know how powerful that guy is? And then he was like, he never eats here. <laughs> Food at HMS Bounty, not very good. End of story. That was, that was great. Who else inspires you in food? I think MFK Fisher. There's a woman who wrote this book, I think in the 40s, the 50s, called Consider the Oyster, which is just like sort of a, a manifesto on shellfish. And it's just like, she sort of peppers in recipes and she's totally brilliant. And then David Foster Wallace wrote this book called, or this essay called Consider the Lobster, which is in the same form as that, as MFK Fisher. And super cool. She's like an amazing food writer from the 40s or 50s i think super sick brilliant brilliant funny huh, sexy I never knew. and you want to talk about like sex and food like someone consuming an oyster i mean cl- like aphrodisiac classic but interesting really cool yeah my best friend is a chef and she we were at a dinner one night in new york and i remember her talking to this person and and they asked her what she did and and she told him and then she was like, I think the most intimate thing you can do is feed someone. And she has this whole, you know, idea around that. And it really shifted my perspective of, of it is true. I think there is something to that, that I, that she was able to put into words that I clearly am not, that I'm sure you'd be very good at. (laughs) She said the most intimate thing you can do is make someone food. Clearly she's never administered a colonic. And turns out she she moonlights as a colon hydrotherapist <laughs> after colonic, she's done cooking for people all day. <laughs> turns out. Okay, I'm curious what you think about food trends happening right now. What are you seeing? What do you like? What do you not like? Do you think the pandemic impacted any food trends? Do you know any food trends? God, I used to really love those lists. You know, like when every year Whole Foods every year Whole Foods puts out like a pretty comprehensive list of the trends that they forecast of what's coming next and i feel like a complete jackass because i like i cannot tell you what it is but it's sort of interesting i don't have a great answer for you on food trends but i 
do have a recommendation for a book called okay. The Secret Life of Supermarkets, which mm. is about the origins of Trader Joe's and what it's like to work at Whole Foods. And I just think for me, supermarkets are like the last bastion of retail and I'm completely fucking obsessed with them. And anyway, this is a great book. If you're interested in supermarkets. I, as I am, I just told you about gross out for 10 minutes. <laughs> I like that you call it gross out grocery outlet where you can never get the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. That's their, do you do their copywriting as well? <laughs> yeah, I do. It's a hustle. What about fashion? Are there trends that you see and like, or don't like, and impacted by post pandemic, anything around there? You know, when I was first starting out, designing and making clothes, I really looked outward a lot. And my my role in my relationship with we talked we sort of said that we sort of established that my relationship with 69 is that I'm an editor, right? Mm-hmm. Like that I that 69 is a prolific creator. Rep is a, a prolific creator and I sort of edit things. So increasingly I sort of don't look outward anymore. I sort of don't watch the skies because y- you just find it slightly depressing because other people have more money to make stuff than you do and are like able to fabricate things at a higher level. And it always just sort of bums you out. So I think it's sort of important in protecting your process to sort of stay slightly insular. You know, I think, you know, the pandemic has like fostered. So our most popular thing is like a chef pan. We call mm-hmm. it the chef pan. It's a canvas. It's essentially like a canvas sweatpant. You know, it's got an elastic waist with a drawstring and you can beat the, beat the crap out of it. So, that pant has really catered to the moment nicely because a fully elasticated waist means people's weights are fluctuating, but it's also extremely comfortable. It's a house pant. And then I think people are also returning to craft and crafting super hard. Like I think a ton of people in your community are like have, I mean like ceramics have become a huge part of the practice of a large number of your friends, you know, certainly like anyway. So like a pant that like caters to work and workwear and like crafting is. So I think those are two things where our pant has done very well in the moment. I don't know how else to put that. Yeah. Trendy. (laughs) I think that's really wise of like not looking. I always think about this of like, not like I don't listen to any other podcasts of people doing who are like me doing what I do, uh-huh. right? Because it's easy to accidentally copy or whatever. It's just not inspiring. And I think looking outside of what you do, like going to Disneyland, where else do you, is there anything else that you turn to when you feel like you need to be inspired writing-wise or anything-wise? What's inspiring you right now? I've, I've been collecting magazines on eBay. So I collect Tattoo magazines from 1992 to 1996 is my focus right now. And Outlaw Biker magazine and Piercing Fans International Quarterly. I don't have any tattoos or piercings, but I just like, I really think these that aesthetic of the mid-90s is really special and stupid. It's really, really stupid. And then I read when I need to refresh or I, I have to always be reading a book because I just am not clear you know, it just tightens you up and it doesn't matter what you're reading. You just always have to be reading. I find, and if you can do it, great. So like, I'm always reading a detective procedural. What about, (laughs) is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Lee Child is like my favorite. And then who else do I love? The Bosch series is really fun too. I think reading fiction is really good for anxiety. I think it really helps with my, my, when I, in my other podcast spiraling, my co-host Serena talks about this of like her therapist and her have talked about it, how effective it is to be reading and in another world 
for anxiety. Yeah. I agree. What about social media? How do you manage your relationship to it? Are you running Cloud College and Meals and 69? Are you writing for brands? Like, how do you... I, uh, I got fired from my last writing job, which was sort of great. Like, I got laid off. You know, I'd been at this brand for 10 years, and then they sort of laid me off. I was just like, okay, this is my... I was like, eh, it's okay. Because it's like, I sort of moved on, and like, yeah. Meals is my life. So it's like, it was sort of sick. I was like, yeah. awesome. Training wheels are off. Yeah. But it was sick. Pushed it was like you. perfect timing. And I was just like, oh, well, if I just open some more wholesale accounts, like I can kind of make this up. I don't need to be like, this doesn't have to suck. Am I writing for... So I guess with social media, you just got to feed the beast. It's a mondo bummer, but like you just got to keep feeding it. And I'm finding like Instagram stories are really helpful, but just like we do everything at meals. So we photograph everything and we manufacture everything and which is unusual, you know, like the designers don't usually photograph their own goods ever. Hedy Slimane from St. Laurent used to do it, but or he still does. He's at Celine now. I just find like, you know, you can't be too ham-fisted and obvious. It's like, you just have to be an entertainer first. And I think like, that's where I come from anyway. So it's just like, it's entertaining people and it's not, don't constantly be desperate and selling. It's like, no, you just, memes. Yeah. I think you do very well. And I like your present. Like, I like seeing you there and it makes me happy to see my retainer case and you and I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I think like Rebma's soul is very supportive and sweet. And I think I'm like very much like vie against that where I'm just, and it's a good actually relationship because it's like, I really want to tear, I kind of want to tear things down and have fun and be a Bacchanalian mess. Sounds like a good dichotomy <laughs> to you. I'm curious, how do you, you, you do a lot of things, right? You, just mentioned a bunch of them. Yep. How do you spend your days? Like, how do you, do you use a list? And do you, what is productivity like for you? Is oh, every yeah. day different? Amazing. I What's... just got it. I just love, well, I just, yeah, every morning I, or at night before I read my detective procedurals, I uh, will make a list of what I want to do, what I need to do the next day. And it's like, it's so satisfying to just go through it. But like every day I'm, I go to South Central and go to my factories and the people who are selling my stuff and I check in and then I go to like my wash house where we dye the goods and then I pick up patterns and I'm at the shop and fulfilling orders and recording podcasts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is a huge part of my life. These podcasts. This is my second one. How am I doing? Great. I'm bummed it wasn't the first. I'm doing crowd work. Yeah, I'm looking around the room to the chairs. Huh? Oh, shut up. Shut up, you. There's no one there. I'm talking that to got a, a big laugh. I'm talking to an infinity scarf. No, I'm kidding. It's a regular scarf. It's a blanket, Sam. Yeah, well, <laughs> open to interpretation. So, uh, what was the question? It does look like a... It looks like a person a little bit, the way that is. Who took the acid this week? <laughs> was it you or me? <laughs> I'm on it right now. Do you, do you microdose? Have you ever done it? I've done mushrooms, but I haven't done LSD yet. It's It can be, you know, if you're not, this will color your voyage if you ever decide to do it. But if you're, I did it once when I was much younger and it was, I was not ready and it was very difficult. I think I'm in a much better place in my life and I was able to sort of like surf it a little better now. And I only did a half dose, but mushrooms are wonderful because it feels like you're fighting a fever and like there's a natural overcoming an illness kind of quality to it. That's very exciting. It's like getting your COVID booster. 
<laughs> no, really. It's like not far off, actually. I could have. Yeah, I, f- I think uh, I thought a lot about what's that movie? Phantom Thread? Where oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, you haven't seen it? Okay. I really Never want to. I know I want to. It's so surprised you haven't seen it. I know. Because now I can't. Yeah, yeah. I do. When you do, I will like to tell you this thing. <laughs> okay. But basically. Put a pin in that. Yeah. When I, when I did mushroom, I did mushrooms with a therapist actually. Wow. And. Did they bill you? No, it was a friend and her boyfriend, but they both were therapists. Uh-huh. But I can kind of say that. But that time I kept just not wanting it to be over because what I realized when I, I felt like when I was on mushrooms, I was more myself, right? And I, in life, I have brief moments of being myself, but I mostly spend it kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning of this, of something I really admire you about. And a lot of friends of mine who are very good at, I always feel like the inside of my brain isn't, I'm so sorry, you have a piece of (laughs) blueberry. I was going to just like let it go, but then I couldn't, I couldn't. Shaming me <laughs> on the podcast. I thought this it was a. Su- me. I have. I had something on my face the whole it time. It could have probably. been me, and then she <laughs> turns it back on herself. I thought this was a supportive space. <laughs> no, I. Where was? Uh, where was I? So. So you were yeah. saying that it in, is there's artifice in your everyday life, and yet and yeah. the and the mushrooms were able to peel that back, and you were who you were. Exactly. I find you can be illustrative. Like you can sort of hold on to that after the trip. Yes, which is really cool. Yeah, and that that's what I kept thinking. I was like, wow, I want to exist majority of time as my mushroom self, which going into brief moments of like people, please or make sure everyone's okay, whatever, whatever. And same with my work. Like I want the way I feel on the internet to feel like who I actually am. And it's, it's hard. And I think everyone's trying to, to parse that out and it's not real and whatever, but I really admire you and your partner and a lot of our friends and people who have done this podcast and people I who inspire me, who can do that more and artists, you know, who, who do that because it's, you know, I think that that was like the biggest thing that I got from it that time that I wanted to hold on to, you know? Yeah. I don't think I'm turning. I think this is it. I think you got it. Yeah. I think I'm this all the time. That's this so cool. unpleasant and difficult it's, and I, grating and obnoxious. It's, it's perfect. And callous. What else have we got here? Cause it's, it has fully gone, gotten dark. How do you feel about, speaking of mushrooms, how do you feel about spirituality, what happens when we die, all of that? You know, I grew up in a Jewish family. I was raised Jewish. For me, I come from like a very elitist, smart, educated, but very elitist family. And for me, Judaism was always framed as like the chosen people, who's in, who's out. You know, with Judaism, it's like we refer to ourselves as the chosen people which implies that there are people who are not chosen, the unselected. As I've gotten older, I'm like, well, fuck that. So I've, I've like walked away from, I walked away from Judaism. What happens when we die? I think I work in the medium of Photoshop and rarely an illustrator. But when I was on LSD the other day, I was thinking about, I basically saw the world in Photoshop and Illustrator. Illustrator is a series of vectors. It's lines that can be infinitely reduced and expanded. Things can be the smallest things in the world. They can be microdots or microfiche, and then they can be as big as, as big as the planet, right? As big as your, as your processor and your computer. So I just think that there's like an irreducibility of the spirit that we all start out as something 
absolutely tying in that we sort of expand to these big wonderful things. And I'm sort of like, I guess I'm still sort of fleshing that out. And then in terms of death, I think it's like, the light goes out. That's it. So you got to enjoy it. You got to do your best work while you can. But then it's also like, it's all a bit of a moot point, isn't it? But that's okay. And you try to like connect and love and tell some funny jokes while you're here. Oh, you're doing it. I can't, but I want to keep talking to you forever, but you, you arrived in the four o'clock hour. It is now the seven o'clock hour. So I'm going to ask you two questions from friends of ours, of the show, of okay. you, and then, um, we can wrap it up to come back. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, well, actually this, this one's from Maddie, our mutual friend, Maddie. She says, hi, Sam. I just want to know where your obsession with fake food comes from. Films, what are his favorite films with food? Or did he visit Japan and was obsessed with fake food? I got to know where it stems from because I love it too. Maybe it's just honing in on his inner child. Maddie has an incredible practice called Maddie Cakes, where she makes these beautiful sort of facsimiles, styled facsimiles of food out of ceramics that are really beautiful. And I'm seeing some here today, maybe mm -hmm. one or two. Over there. Really cool. Did you drop one? Whoops. <laughs> Sight edit point. Cut. <laughs> She'll Cut. be here tomorrow. She's going to see it. Um, <laughs> fake food is really sick. I guess the idea of meals is transposing food to a medium that's not food, right? So it's like transposing food into clothing. So, I think any time that there's that disjoint between is it edible or is it inedible? I, and I think we sort of, I think dogs and humans, we sort of look at the world. It's like, well, I think the first thing I think is, well, can I eat it? Or like, you know, and, and so I just think it's a sick conversation of that's really weird. It fucks with you. And it's like, I guess the operative word with meals being to confuse food and fashion. I think things that are confusing are tight. No, that it's like that it's compelling and then it's interesting and it's cool. My favorite food movie is garlic is as good as 10 mothers, uh, which is um, a film that was shot in the late seventies sort of about, about the garlic craze in Northern California. Super cool. There's another one called Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe. Werner Herzog, it's a documentary where, where Werner Herzog loses a bet and Alice Waters of Chez Panisse. I'm just, him. I'm not leaving. I'm so sorry. I'm not leaving. Oh, I'm just no. stretching. She's got, we're doing acupuncture <laughs> later. Anyway, so those are my two favorite. And they're by the same director whose name is, insert director's name. I forget it. Research. Um, cool. Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Maddie. I'll give you Christine's, but first I have one actually, which I know I've been Your asking all of these. Yeah. <laughs> People often give the question of like, if you were a deli sandwich, what would be on your deli sandwich? But I want to ask you if you were a salad, what would be on your salad? Goat cheese, pine nuts. I think arugula. I like making my own um, tart vinegar. Who's the homie? Mm. She's like my homie. Do you know her? Do you carry her stuff? Chris Crawford. She's dating Ira Glass. No, I met her at this place upstate. Well, oh my God, like two two years ago. Very small world. I didn't know that was her thing. Yeah, I met her. Chris Crawford? Are you sure? Yeah. The same person he was dating? Yeah, they had just started dating because oh, she yeah, was a she's chef. Oh, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's sick. Yeah. And she makes a really good, great product. She and she like, she hooked us up with a bunch of uh, vinegar for our opening party. I remember that. And she's 
deeply fucking cool. Yeah, and she makes she's great, in New York, right? Yeah. She's yeah. really cool. I think she's part of the sort of superior order burger um, posse. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know if she would remember, but someone who uh, invited me to go, she was dating the chef at this inn upstate and she was like, come on a weekday and just like stay here if you want. Like, wow. And she was, and I did. And so she was like, my friend is coming who is amazing and I've known forever and she's dating this new person. I think you'll actually really like him. He has a podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, another bozo of the podcast. <laughs> and I literally hear his voice. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, of course. And so we all hung out and it was, it was super fun. And we like drink wine and I don't know if she'll Sick. remember. This is like 2018. But yeah, yeah. yeah was, she's the coolest. Yeah. She's been a huge, she's been a major fan and so, like so good to us. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. But go Tart on. vinegar would be the, uh, would be this, would be the vinegar that I would use. And then I would use it a flavored oil i would use like a nice a nice olive oil i would probably like and if i was really fucking shit up i would do like a kewpie mayo with some fucking like i don't know i like kewpie mayo as like a, a salad dressing i i like like korean korean restaurants do like a very like it'll just be like a slaw or like but it'll be like a shredded cabbage with just like the thickest most viscous thou- like version of a korean thousand island dressing and yeah. it's just like i love it well you just answered christine's question because she said how do you make your salad dressing? I think you just told us. Yeah. This is incredible. I think you're so great. I'm really happy that you're my friend and that meals exist and that you went to the pop-up and then went to Disneyland and then made meals and met your partner and that you're here and that your shop is my neighbor. And this is great. I'm so happy we did it. You rule, Katie. Thanks for having me over. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Well, is there... This is called Let It Out. So is there anything else that you want to let out that you wish that I would have asked you that you feel like you never get to share? I just love my partner so much. I'm so thankful for them. And they're the only reason. You know, they're like they're like my... Yeah. I can really sense my, that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just thankful for Rebna. Yeah, they're really special. Yeah. I'm going to now put a few more bits of Sam and I talking. The first 10 minutes, I'm going to play that bit of the conversation now, as well as something else that I cut because it's pretty niche. It's us talking about some specific menu items at BMR, a establishment that we both love in my neighborhood. (laughs) And just a few other funny bits that if you want to keep listening to us, great. And if you've had enough, have a great week. If you listen to the podcast on being, they put up a edited version and a non-edited version. You're about to get the non-edited cuts. <laughs> Larry King's last are we on? Larry King's last gig was working for Russia Today. Really? Yeah. So he was employed by the Russian state media. How do you know that? I just know that. You know, he just that was just like that was the last place where Larry King worked. Was Russia Today. Oh, okay. Kind of funny. He's he's fascinating. Had four what else do you know about Larry King? He had four or five, four or five wives. His, I knew that. Uh, raised Jewish in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go to his bagel store. He had a bagel store? Yeah, where he had this, he had this in thing. In New York? No, in Los Angeles. It was a chain. And it was called, I think it was, it was called Larry King's Brooklyn Water Bagels. Mm-hmm. And they had what's oh, yeah. called, what's called Maybe a, didn't know that. they had what's called a Brooklynizer. Which was like a um, <laughs> a water that would make the it would turn tap oh. water into New York water. That's right. I this is in my brain somewhere. Like some sort of reverse osmosis filter mm-hmm. with a um, that would add crap. Yeah. To the water. 
and then it would become a Brooklyn water bagel. Wow. Yeah. I that that fact is in my mind somewhere. There's actually this really great podcast that I love that I'm thinking you might love based off of your niche Larry King knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's called The Turnaround. Did you ever listen to it? No. What it was by Jesse Thorne, and uh-huh, it's right, right, right. by... He had an office in my building, I think. In the really? American Cement building, I think. Yes, he did. He's cool, and I think he's a, I think he's a great interviewer, but he did this really great show. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> Hi, Jesse. Thank you so much. Like, maybe 2017, and it was interviewing interviewers about interviewing. So he had Terry Gross on, he had Ira Glass, he had Larry King... Dick Cavett, like literally all of the greats. And it was actually really cool to hear all of how different they all were at, and ask him asking the same questions to each of them. That's really cool. Because I think there is, you know, you have to make it, all of these people were prolific at what they did, you know, or are pro- prolific. And so they, but so vastly different in what they, like how they would do it, you know? I just watched a Cavett interview where he interviews Howard Stern. Painful. Really? Yeah, because he just, he just like is very, he's just, He's very mean to Dick Cavett, who's very, very sweet. Mm. But it was a long time ago. And How- I know that Howard Stern is in analysis and goes to therapy five times a week and is like, has really come a long way and has sort of become. Yeah. Anyway, forget it. What I, do you think of, of Howard Stern? I, I've never listened to any Howard Stern. I, I like, uh, you know, I commend anyone who can do six hours of broadcasting yeah. a day. Like, I just think that that's like an incredible skill. I, my friend's pa. Mark Feldman, he has this political podcast that he does, you know, it's a six hour podcast that he does just straight, wow. like a live podcast. And at that point, is it, it's a compulsion yeah. at that point. It's just, it's not healthy. Yeah. You know, it becomes, it becomes something else. Well, anyway, but it's I, amazing. It's I don't really, know how to really tell funny. you this, Sam, but I hope you're <laughs> here until nightfall because I know, I know the that clocks you, have changed. I know, that and, you have, I know that this is traditionally a long form. Yeah, this is. Uh, do you have a hard out? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I have to come up with one. No, well, you're you're locked in. You can't. Um, we we switch sides. Sam asked if we could. Um, I'm in a new new position. I was facing the lovely hills of Highland Park, yeah. and I thought, no. I'm going to get lost. In it. <laughs> I didn't want to be lost in the beauty. I wanted to be present. So I thought. I really appreciate the challenge. Sides. Uh, wait, can we go back to Howard Stern briefly? Of course. It's just funny you brought him up today because I do. Th- I think he's a great interviewer. I've know? never like, listened think, to a Howard Stern interview, but I heard they're amazing. I think he's really good at what he does. I'm just fascinated by interviewing, obviously. Sure. I'm a Marin guy. And I can't and even I say. Love, and I'm embarrassed. By insane. That, but I Because he's a bit. He's a. Post hipster, yeah. I don't know how I put it. He's um, it's a. I like that it's always about him in a way. That's his lens. Yeah. Is that it always? But the, but and he's gotten a lot better and more comfortable and loves himself clearly a lot more. Yeah. So it's not about airing gripes as much. Anyway, talk to me about Howie. I mean, I love. <laughs> I mean, now now that you brought up Robin, now that you brought up Marin, I'm just like all I want to do is talk about Marin, and he might hear us. He's always around. I know. I heard he's in Glen. Yeah, he's a Glendale guy. Yeah, I've seen him on New York quite a bit. <laughs> Did you wink? No, but th- you know, the one time I saw him most recently, I was listening to an episode as I was walking by, and I Who was did it? have this moment. Um, Cat Power. Uh huh. I love that one. Me too. Yeah, I really liked Cat Power. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's, the, to be honest with you, she was a little hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Challenging. I like, yeah, I feel but like she too. did name drop a close 
friend of a friend. Really? It was really cool. Because she was like, yeah, my first show in 92. And you knew? Yeah. She she name drops this random homie. And, oh, and we cool. asked the homie and they were like, I don't remember it. I don't remember being at that show, but it's if she oh, says it. Funny. Anyway. Yeah. Well, well, anyway, I think when I started this in 2013, you know, I was listening to Terry Gross and NPR and then the first podcast I listened to were all these comedy podcasts like Marin and Pete Holmes, like doing this long form thing. And I was like, maybe I could try to do that. But the problem was I'm not an entertainer and not as funny as those people. And yeah. my guests weren't as funny. So it didn't quite work, but I was doing these like two hour podcasts where I'm like Terry Gross, like interviewee. St- it was not great. But I think what I, what I do take from him is that like this podcast, you have to pick like a category when you put it on. And I, put it in personal journal because it is like me growing up on the internet, like based off of what I'm asking and who I'm asking the questions to, I get a little marony in my interest sometimes. <laughs> right. It is through your lens. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not a journalist. Right. I do like that he interjects himself and I actually, I'm not in the sober community, but I sort of lo- am fascinated by his yeah. uh, conversation with sobriety and the 12 step program and him being so active in that community. And I kind of always love that. Yeah. And me too. The, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something kind of magic. To, I mean, I go to Al-Anon, but I don't like talk. It doesn't come up on this show often that Al-Anon? often once a week. It's a good meeting in this neighborhood actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. But the the point is like I feel like that that com- that language is there's like kind of a magic to it when they talk about it or the way he speaks about it I think and it's good that more people are talking about it anyway you're list- you're tuned into the Marin podcast <laughs> okay I'll just quit briefly say the thing about how- it's funny you brought up Howard Stern because this back problem I had I started reading this book. <laughs> Howard Stern would make a very crude joke about my back. <laughs> yeah, about how you got a bad back. <laughs> Robin. Um, okay. Well, I found the 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 book. The first thing that comes up is that like this book here healed Howard Stern. <laughs> this book healed Howard Stern. <laughs> tall order. Yeah. Literally tall because I think he's quite. Oh, he's is six, he? I think he's like six seven. Six seven. Maybe I think he might be even taller than that. Huh. Research. Maybe someone can. We don't have a Robin here. Um, <laughs> Wait, so the book cured Howard Stern? Yeah. I think he does a ton of therapy. I think he goes five days a week. He's in analysis. That makes sense that his you back know? is better because th- that's kind of the whole point of this book is like... Ain't the back. Got news for you. Bigger problems. Larger forces at work. God damn it. I don't know. Feelings. Well, it is. It's kind of the, the point of this book is that like you feel pain in your body to not feel an emotion you don't want to feel, you know? Oh, totally. Just like... Both liberating, but also like eye roll when you are in pain. Yeah, when you're, you're like, gassy. Yeah. <laughs> Kidding. Well, yeah, no, maybe. Forget it. Okay. Well, enough about them. This is about you, Sam. This is a. Um, this is the Sam Hour. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? What's that taco spot that we both like? VMR. Really? Like oh, you VMR. Went, did you get yeah. the? Um, I just get the fish tacos every time. The shrimp's fine. I had the ceviche on Friday. Poor showing. Never make your... Did you create your own? Because no. you know you can do that? I tried to add mango to my burrito there once. I think I was like... I was like... They looked at me askew. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're giving me a cue here that I should I, not be doing this. But you made your own. It was wretch. I added carrot. 
which is that should not Unheard be of. in ceviche. It was bad. It can yeah. add, I I understand wanting to add texture. Yeah, it seemed like a good choice, and it was not. And that sunk the ceviche was the. Yeah, it was, made it all the. It was not my favorite time there. I'll say that. Yeah. But what do I get there? My my friend Zoe got like a full salmon dinner there with like rice and salmon. Have you ever seen that there? I've seen it on that a, option. I've seen the option. The photo. It's actually very good. Wow. <laughs> but they I, grill it or they fry it. Whatever you want, but she got it grilled. I think that sounds very. That's a very conservative move. I know, but really nice. But what is it that I? Oh, I get the. Um, it's it's kind of like I've gotten the soup there, the seafood soup that you see, and they. I got it to go, and we made a picnic, and they put it in like a plastic bag that was humongous, like the size of my face. That's good, but the. I guess it's. Is it shrimp? Who doesn't it's, want soup in a bag? Huh? Yeah, and then a lot of seafood, like every type of seafood that I must be a mermaid because it it always somehow sits well. And the what is the thing that I get? I guess it's maybe shrimp cocktail because it has. Have you gotten that there where it has avocado and it's almost like um, what's the? It's cocktail. Yeah, I, I guess know what you're that's talking what about. It is. Yeah, is it like the bloody bloody clams? No, no, no. It's just it's avocado and yeah, like tomato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just like a I know yeah ceviche with avocado and. Yeah. Oh, I guess it's kind of like a spatula. That's the word. I yeah. Think interesting. Or yeah, I yeah. think of it like that. That's cool. Um, that was the best thing I've had this week. I love it there. We got it. We should go there. Yeah. I'll cut it up with you there. Well, let's end with letting out the deep breath. Ready? Inhale. Let it out. <laughs> we did it. Thanks, guys. Thank you for spending so much time with Sam Salad and I. The discount code that he mentions for 15% off meals is real. It wasn't a bit. So if you want to order something, use the code let it out and that will give you 15% off. I am dying to get one of their chore coats. I've tried on Christine's and borrowed Christine's a handful of times and Maddie's and it has like really great pockets. It fits so well. There's so many really cool colors. A friend of mine has the pink one, which I really, really love. And of course their most popular item, the chef pants are incredible. And my favorite item right now is something I'm borrowing from Christine. That is a strapless top, but it also has straps and it's really cool. I, I think that it's still on the site. Truly everything that Meals makes, I've loved. And come and see Cloud College that we talked about. Visit if you're in the neighborhood, if you're in Highland Park. I would really love to do a meetup there. Maybe we can do that and record an episode. And truly follow Meals and everything that Sam does because obviously he's incredible if you spend this much time with with him and I talking and go into Virgil Normal and say hi to Charlie, who we mentioned in this episode, and try on some meals clothing there. There's also a t-shirt that has my really close friend, Christine, on it that I love. And 
it's just a really great place. So stop in there. And like I said at the beginning, if you're new here, welcome. We've had a few designers on lately. So if you liked this conversation, go back to two weeks ago where I spoke to iconic designer Norma Kamali and a couple months ago, Heidi Baker, the designer and founder of another LA line, Ozma of California, that I equally love. That's very different from Sam's line. Although there are a lot of parallels that I love them both and they're both sustainable and approachable and founded by really great people. We mentioned my habit of putting a secret emoji at the very end of these episodes in the last few seconds. And I have you comment that on my Instagram or the guest Instagram or let us know you're listening all the way to the end, which I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know if I still want to do that. What do you think? Do you like doing that? What do they do that? Is that a thing? Yeah, at the end I pick an emoji. Do you really? Yeah, you've clearly never listened to the end. <laughs> After the ad. Shade. What do you want the, what do you want the emoji to be this week? Salad? Take your time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can you can sleep on this. Tell me your favorite emoji. I'm sleeping now. Okay. That explains the quality of this interview. <laughs> Go on. I will say this, the best thing that has ever happened to me is when Brian, who is now a friend and I met through what I'm about to tell you, they were working at the coffee shop that I was at and they wrote down the emojis on a piece of the receipt and we became friends and Brian's actually coming to LA and and I'm going to do an episode with Brian and our other friend Maggie. Yeah, that that's coming soon. And right now I'm actually going to play a voice text that Brian sent me this week about last week's episode. It just really made me so happy and I did that last week. I actually played a voice text from Sasha at the end. A personal message, but especially a voicemail. I know this isn't a voicemail, but there's something about hearing voicemails. If you want to go back and listen to last week's episode, it was my birthday party. It was really special. And it's, you know, nine years of doing this podcast, and I'm really grateful that I get to do it. And I get to collaborate with people like Sam, and I get to highlight friends and friends of friends and that I got to meet Brian through this really cool cozy way and it just makes me really really grateful and happy so thank you so much feel free to share this share the show and I will talk to you next week I love you so much if you want to get a newsletter from me the let it out letter link is in the show notes however you're listening to this if you would share it with a friend that would be cool too. Love you so much. And I'm so grateful. And I'll talk to you next week. I listened to your birthday episode while I was sleeping. You know, I can't play back everything I loved about it. The things you're doing and just having, you know, your people ask you questions. And it was really sweet. I loved it. I thought like... I don't, (laughs) I I can't pinpoint what I remember about talking about focus. Hearing hearing y'all talk about focus was really, yeah, really relatable and compelling. My my job is just so hard to focus um, because I just work so, so much, so much on the floor still. Just the New York to LA stuff is really fun. Yeah, it's funny, like I, when, when coffee, I was like, 
my brain was like, LA. Happy birthday. I wanted to show that little bit. Sasha's great. Especially that voice memo at the end. Like, I loved that. Um, the memos she sent you after a stressful time. I I received those words and you got some good people in your your inner circle. But anyways, I love you and appreciate you and talk to you later. Bye.